On the 28th of November 1979, an Air New Zealand sightseeing flight TE-901 crashed into the side of Mount Erebus in Antarctica. All 257 passengers and crew on board were instantly killed. At the time here in New Zealand, it seemed like everyone knew someone connected to the tragedy. I knew someone too. Over the years, we've heard a lot of stories about Erebus, the cover-up, the court case, the controversy. But here's some stories you might not know. Hi, I'm Lizzie Oakes, and when I was 10, I lost my nan, Muriel Florence Rose Harrison, to Erebus. 40 years later, I'm a broadcaster, and on this podcast, Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts, I'm speaking with others whose lives have been impacted by the disaster. Episode 12, The Apology. On the 28th of November 2019, 40 years on since the airline disaster, the Erebus families finally received an official apology from the government and Air New Zealand. But what exactly does that apology mean to family members? Her Excellency, the Governor-General of New Zealand, the Right Honourable Dame Patsy Reddy, invites Lizzie Oakes to the 40th anniversary of the Mount Erebus accident at Government House, Auckland, on Thursday the 28th of November 2019. Please arrive by 1.30. Dress, daywear. It's not every day you receive a VIP invitation to Government House. So I put on my favourite frock and caught an Uber with my niece Maddie to the venue. As we arrived, hundreds of well-dressed people were walking through the gates. We stood in the long queue, waiting to present our invitation and ID to security. Being at Government House felt a lot like being at an Erebus engraved on our hearts reunion. First up, I saw Catherine Carter, who lost her dad, Captain Jim Collins. We chatted, and then she introduced me to her mum and her sisters. It was lovely to meet them all. After moving through security, we made our way onto the beautiful grounds and met up with my sister, Carolyn. We grabbed a drink and bumped into Miriam Clancy, who lost to Auntie Marie and was there with her husband, JP. And then, out of the corner of my eye, I spotted Reverend Richard War someone who is so respected and liked by so many of us in the Erebus community. I gave him a hug and met his wife, Jane. We were then shown to our seats and seated according to the surname of our relative on board. H for Harrison meant we were reasonably close to the front. The marquee we sat in was solid and impressive, more like an outdoor building than any other flimsy marquee I've ever been in. I looked up and there to my right was my good friend Sarah Miles, author of Towards the Mountain. We hugged and talked about the slightly surrealness of the occasion and I met her extended family, all relatives of the late Frank Christmas. We were then seated and the formalities began, including one minute of silence. And then the Prime Minister, Jacinda Ardern, got up for her address. I still remember how Jacinda had spoken to us at the 39th memorial the year before. I'd even had the chance to speak with her personally. She was so full of care and concern, so genuine and heartfelt. It took my breath away. I thought she'd probably share something along the same lines, but I wasn't prepared for what she had to say. I don't think any other family members were either. She talked of the loss and how it had sent ripples across the country and the trauma that only those who were directly affected would understand. Of the Chippendale report that concluded that the probable cause of the disaster was pilot error 
and of the Commission of Inquiry and how Justice Mann had found that the cause of the accident was in fact the airline's reprogramming of the aircraft's navigation system, something they did without advising the crew. And she said, the pilots were not responsible for this tragedy. She went on to say, and I quote, After 40 years on behalf of today's government, the time has come to apologise for the actions of an airline then in full state ownership, which ultimately caused the loss of the aircraft and the loss of those you loved. This apology is wholehearted and wide-reaching. We will never know your grief, but I know the time has come to say sorry. Unquote. Then the chairman of Air New Zealand, Dame Therese Walsh, got up to speak, and she said, quote, I apologise on behalf of an airline that 40 years ago failed in its duty of care to its passengers and staff, unquote. I couldn't believe my eyes and ears. I felt this wave of emotion break out across the room and a collective sigh as if some old, weary heavyweights in our hearts had finally let go. After the meeting finished, I had to check with my family to see what exactly had just happened. I felt like a stunned mullet, a ten-year-old stuck in a grown woman's body. Some of us went for interviews with the media, including David Allen, who lost his mum, dad and sister Jane. I asked David, has the government ever apologised before? He told me they hadn't. It's not that I've been asleep for the last 40 years. It's just when it happened, I was just a kid. Catherine Carter came up to me and gave me a high five. I also saw Dan Maloney, who lost his dad, flight engineer Nick Maloney. He looked a little blown away, so I gave him a quick hug. Before you knew it, our time together was over. We were ushered to cars, Ubers and buses, some people put on planes and flown to separate parts of the country and others to different parts of the world. But as I left, I was still thinking, what just happened? And how did everyone feel about it? So over the next few days, I asked some of my friends from the podcast. I started with Reverend Richard Waugh and asked him what he made of the apology. I think, um, you know, there was an audible sort of gasp and, and wave of emotion, you know, through the crowd. I could hear it from the front seats. And um, as the Prime Minister talked about setting down grief, which is, you know, eased by by accepting past wrongs and apologising. And I, I felt uh, the Prime Minister and the, the, the Chairwoman of New Zealand did that in a sincere and complete way. So it was really very significant for everyone present. It actually felt like we're in a moment of history. Yes, I think it was a moment of history, and especially you know the pilots not being responsible, the the the, the sort of the weight now being clearly with the Royal Commission, the Mahan report in terms of you know causes, and uh, there's some sort of interesting ramifications there. But I think uh, that's where it's where history is clearly landing. I saw Catherine Collins afterwards, and she gave me a high five. Mm. Honestly, the smile on her face. Well, I think for the, the, the all the crew's family, you know, it was a, it was a, it was a, um, a vindication, as I say, of, of the Marne report and not the Chippendale report. And as I say, that's where I think the vast majority of informed people who have read everything um, and um, analysed everything have come out. And I think it was quite significant for the family of um, 
justice man too. I asked my sister Carolyn how significant she thought it was. It feels like an acknowledgement of the enormity of it. And I think it personally for um, those that were directly affected and lost a loved one, but I just feel like there's something, it's affected the nation as well because it's something so huge that happened to New Zealand and by the government not owning it, you know, it was such a sweep under the carpet thing that it's don't believe that that can be good for us as a country. So to um, come with that honesty and vulnerability and openness, well, I hope it sets a precedent. And how did Dan Maloney feel about it? Well, um, the apology from the Prime Minister and the and the chair of E New Zealand was um, was totally unexpected. I was um, I was quite shocked. And not only that, there was a letter from uh, from the Queen from Buckingham Palace uh, acknowledging the anniversary of the accident, and that also um, took me by surprise. Um, I was uh, I was very impressed um, when the Prime Minister started talking and then mentioned the word apology, it was quite a, a surreal experience. I was thinking, what is she saying? Is she apologising? I know I turned to my wife and said, did she just apologise? <laughs> <laughs> and it was a really emotional experience. That I had tears in my eyes, and, and I could hear the audience murmuring in disbelief. I saw arms going around each other and uh, embracing, and um, I had um, a real sense of feeling in the audience. At the end of the ceremony, an elderly gentleman uh, rode behind us. He, he got up and um, he um, he interjected and asked if he could speak. Um, he went on to thank the Prime Minister and thank the Chair of Air New Zealand to the applause of all the families and guests. So yeah, it was um, it was quite a quite a day. Dan, um, when we met and spoke in an earlier episode. You know, you shared with me really that you've been carrying this grief for mm-hmm. 40 years. Do you think those apologies will help in your healing and help well, you to move forward? Absolutely. I feel that um, the apology takes a weight off my shoulders. I can't really express it in words. It's it's just there. Did it feel like a physical weight come off you? <laughs> you know, um, some people have said that. Yeah, I don't know, it felt felt like I had a cape and it just fell off. It was a nice feeling and it was, it was pretty deep and emotional, of course. I think the next few weeks will be quite interesting to see how I feel as time goes by. And David Allen. David, what was your response when you heard the apology? I was um, elated to hear the apology, um, long overdue albeit. Uh, but I sensed partway through her speech, which I thought was very well constructed in the context of piecing why she was about to say what she was, and I suddenly started to sense that perhaps we were going to get an apology, and I thought that was really very well crafted. And when it came, it was just wonderful, and I was particularly thrilled for Maria Collins, who's was was there and to witness that um, the stage of her life and all she's been through must have been was lovely for everybody but it must have been very special for her. Is it something you've been waiting for? Yeah, for sure. I, I've been 
frustrated, I guess, by the complete lack of integrity that was evident from day one. And to finally have the government acknowledging it, albeit someone who wasn't alive at the time as Prime Minister, but she's read the tea leaves very well, I think, and that's absolutely how it is. And I think that was a huge comfort for all the people there. And I think it was evident afterwards, just everybody's reaction was um, probably more helpful in putting things behind us than in any other single event that's happened to date. Now that you've had a few days to process it, because it's all still pretty new, I mean, how does that sort of sit with you? It sits very well in the sense that it it's um, sort of put it to bed in some ways, I suppose, to use a bit of a cliche, but I, I think um, the memorial is still the, the final um, screw that's required to put the lid down permanently and put it into history. Yeah, I hope through that apology and so forth that maybe um, it has no direct uh, impact, I suppose, on the sighting of the memorial, but I hope it has some effect on the uh, councillor's thinking in terms of how significant all this is. Because after 40 years, anybody under 50 had never really experienced the impact that it was for the nation. And I think it loses some of its significance and makes it harder to get it over the line now than it would have if we'd just gone ahead with a memorial shortly after the event, such as, well, even Pike River's taken a while, but that's still very current. Um, and I think that was that's what's been lacking now because of the intransigence to date. And finally, what about the pilot's daughter, Catherine Carter? Well, I was very excited sort of excited um, and couldn't quite believe my ears, to be quite honest. I mean, I, I was sitting there thinking um, that the one-minute silence would go through and then um, there'd be the usual speeches of condolence. But um, when the Prime Minister started to apologise and then New Zealand apologised, I was quite um, overcome in a way. I mean, I was surprised and also quite sort of um, shocked and then also sad and then sort of really elated. So it was a real mixture because we were, you know, so, you know we were sort of... Taken, taken by surprise, really. So it was, it was like the wind. The wind kind of went out of our sails for a <laughs> Really, you know, trying to absorb the impact of what that those words meant, which is something we've been waiting for for forty years. Mm. Um, and then afterwards, the prime minister said to me um, after the event, you know, we we could have um, this, this should have happened sooner. Um, we sh- this should have happened sooner than this. So I think she really felt that there was a huge gap that needed to be filled, which in the history that hadn't been filled, and she she did that. And I think that's really that was really bold of her and much appreciated. What does that apology mean to you personally, Catherine? Um, well, it's really an incredible thing. I mean, it means personally that the country officially knows from the government and from the airline that the pilots weren't to blame for the accident, and that they, the government and the airline, both sincerely regret what happened with regard to the way um, things played out after the accident. And and basically also that it needn't have happened. You know, the the people the people that were lost shouldn't have been lost. But the trauma that we all went through as a result of the trauma they went through. Well, they didn't feel much obviously because they died instantly. But that that needn't have happened. You know, it's, it all seems quite sad. The history didn't need to be like that. And that, and it possibly if the government of the, of the day, the Muldoon government and the airline of the day had handled this all better, we would have been spared a lot of grief. A lot of anxiety. I mean, not the grief, but the anxiety of trying to defend the names of the people that were dead. 
Have you felt the weight of that for the last 40 years, Catherine? Oh, definitely. I mean, there's definitely been not a day that we've ever thought that, that we could rest easily um, because Dad's name was always, his credibility as a pilot and his reputation was always fought over by members of the public and by the media and, and, and by the originally by, set up by the government of the day that didn't protect us as citizens. I mean, I think back and I can't, I can't think of a day when we didn't, haven't worried about having to try and defend Dad's reputation to somebody who, you know, talk in the media or contact us, or, you know, in, in some way or, or write, some, or, you know, see, see us in the street or just by word of mouth you hear people that are, you know, negative that always believed it was part of their and we don't have to fight those personal battles anymore. Yeah, we don't have to, and, you know, we can we can let them go, we can let them rest. Yeah. Um, and I think ultimately if a memorial is built with the names of everybody on it, all our loved ones, including yours. Lizzie, um, you know, we can we can finally have peace and peace. And how's your dear mum? Oh, mum's great. Mum's <laughs> mum's thrilled. I mean, mum's mum couldn't believe it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> none of us could take it in. Really, I mean, you know, what what does it mean ultimately? You know, that sort of whole thing of how do you how do you take it on board when you hear this sort of incredible news you've been waiting for that mum thought the government would never do, I mean, which she'd never hear. She never she didn't ever think she'd hear it. And so for her, I think it's incredible too. At her age, you know, and she's she's a great fit, eighty four. But you know, to hear to hear this news now was something I think she never thought she would. So you know, it's fantastic. Well done, the government today that they that Jacinda's seen to do this. Uh, fantastic that that in one venue that both the government and the airline could say that they exonerate the pilots that they don't blame the crew that this is something that shouldn't have happened and they regret it. Yeah. Fantastic that she could hear that, don't you think? I mean, I I was profound. How, how did you feel? I was I couldn't actually comprehend. I felt like my ears and my eyes were not able to take it in. Like, yeah. And then yeah. there was this part of me, to be honest. I felt like this ten-year-old that actually just wanted to throw myself on the floor and start bawling my eyes out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, exactly. I I was just like, I don't. I like you. I just felt like I couldn't process it. I still I still actually feel like that, to be honest. I know, and it's funny when it came upon me that, you know, we were standing in the queue to talk to the media and all I could do was think about high-fiving you. <laughs> I loved that moment when you high-fived me. And and you know what? The smile on your face was, uh, to me, I know we've only met a couple of times, but the smile on your face, you actually looked like a 15-year-old girl who was saying, my dad is innocent, okay? Yeah. So back yeah. off. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you put it perfectly. You know, it's, Yes, Dad. You know you're okay. You can rest, rest. You don't have to worry anymore about. You know, I've always felt that he's been on, been on our shoulder, sort of saying, "Yeah, things aren't right yet." I know that this is. You know, I, I really felt quite strongly that that he was. You know, he felt the vindication mm. um, as well somewhere, and and that. Yeah, hopefully we'll have some. Ability in the future to look back upon this and say this was the beginning of the of the good parts of Erebus to be remembered. You know, the mem- memory of the dead, the people that we loved, the people that were the people that that went. That went. it's not about the fight, but it's about the celebration of their lives, remembering who they were, and letting them rest together in and, one place. And physically, did you feel any sense of? Have you felt any sense of sort of a letting go at all? Yeah, I did actually. I, I definitely have. I mean, I, it's sort of a bit of a concern at the moment because the memorial project is up in the air um, in terms of the, you know, if that was really going to be happening, um, I'd feel a lot better. But at the moment, I sort of feel as if there's another hurdle to get through. Yeah. 
um, which which again is like this Erebus, the, 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 the you know the fight to clear Dad's name has always been a battle. And I think this is another one. You know, we're again having to fight for something that should have been done years ago. Um, and there's a bunch of people that don't want the memorial to happen for reasons that are very spurious, actually. Um, so you know, I sort of feel yes, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm thrilled about the um, and and ultimately we can't bring them back. You know, I'm thrilled that the Dad's name's been cleared and that the that the government's apologised to all of us on Thursday, you know, together as a group of 500 people and, you know, at least the government of the day now in terms of the history of the country will be regarded as the one that did it. Yeah. That said, sorry. Um, I think that's significant. And if the memorial goes ahead in the Rose Gardens um, on the site where Ngāti Whātua are blessed it for in anticipation of the memorial, if that goes ahead, I think it'll be the icing on the cake in terms of the memory, the memory bank. So the general consensus was everyone was pleased, blown away, but still holding out for the National Memorial, the one that's been overdue for 40 years. There's been a lot of tears since that apology. I know because people have told me. I know because I've cried them myself. I've cried not just for my family, but for the wider Erebus family that I am now connected to in some small way, by coming and sharing their most precious memories with me, their loved ones have become a part of my family too. We're still waiting on a national memorial. In fact, on Tuesday the 3rd of December 2019, the Waitamata board were to decide if the proposed site for the Erebus Memorial would go through. A meeting where we were going to have to defend the right to have the memorial in Dovemeyer-Robinson Park against locals who vehemently oppose it. The meeting has been deferred until next year, with good reason, from the Ministry of Heritage and Culture. As our Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern said in her closing address, and I quote, Some may say that the past is in the past, that we cannot change what happened. That fails to consider that our future is shaped by where we have come from. It is shaped by our response to tragedy and injustice, and by the people who stand up against it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts. I'm Lizzie Oakes. Thanks to Scott Gillen, my audio engineer, and to Rima Media for their support. Over the last 12 episodes, we've heard the stories of how Erebus has impacted our lives. However, in the process of telling these stories, It has also been a journey in itself for me. In the final episode, we'll be going behind the scenes of Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts. To subscribe, go to Erebus Engraved on Our Hearts on iTunes, Spotify or erebusengravedonourhearts.com.